Welcome to Thoughts of a Veteran Christian Mental Health Dude. This is episode eight, and I'm your host, Rich Watson. The title for this episode, Well-Intended Advice. And that is exactly what we're going to discuss today. Some well-intended advice that in some cases I have given, in some cases I have received. But in all honesty, in all cases, it usually comes across as just wrong. Now, you know what these are. These are the statements that people make when they don't really know what to say, and they typically just don't land right, or they're so overplayed that they've lost all meaning. Now, please don't misunderstand me. The intention behind what is being said is often quite honorable and meant to help people in times of need. However, these tried and true statements just don't help anymore. Now, before we delve into a few of my favorites, my top 10 list of well-intended advice, if you will, how does this tie into the podcast? Veteran Christian mental health? Simple. These are all things that have been said to me or unfortunately, I have said to others in each of these three arenas. I've said them to my fellow veterans to try to comfort them and advise them and help them. I've also said them in church callings and to fellow Christians to try to help and advise them. They've also been said to me in both of those situations, and some of them in really rough times. I remember hearing a lot of these when my mom passed. And again, this is not to say that the intentionality of what was said was wrong or mean or, or mean-spirited. It just didn't land right. Now, as for the mental health part, most of these sound like great mental health advice, but they're not. Now, as a sidebar, I put a poll up on Facebook and Instagram and asked some of my friends their least favorite pieces of well-intended advice that often just landed wrong. And some of them were actually in my top 10, but here are a few honorable mentions. He, meaning God, he never said it would be easy. He only said it would be worth it. I don't think he said either. God will take care of you, especially when you say this to somebody whose faith is wavering. God will take care of you. Tough one. Another one I've heard. You're okay. Just stop stressing. Meh. Is it really that easy? Just stop stressing? Because if it was that easy, I would have done it already. Or when grieving, saying they're in a better place. So now with those being the honorable mention, let's take a look at my top 10. Number one. Everything happens for a reason. Now, I understand why people like to say and believe this one. It's so comforting, and I'm a bit tempted to love it too, because in truth, it does align with my spiritual beliefs. However, just think of all the people around the world whose lives have been impacted by wars, losses, atrocities like slavery, natural disasters. Do we really think that all those trauma survivors have suffered for a reason, or that telling them that it happens for a reason is going to help them? Is their suffering justified because it's just how things should be? Now, in truth, in my view, everything does happen for a reason. There is a greater plan. But when you say this, it kind of sounds like a scapegoat for something that you just don't know where to say. And again, as a Christian, I may believe this to an extent. However, it's rarely ever good advice or beneficial to say. So number one, everything happens for a reason. Number two, it's always darkest before the dawn. Well, first, that's actually not true. It's not darkest before the dawn because the dawn comes in light by light and it's technically getting lighter before dawn. So it's nice to imagine that the worst moments in our life are followed up by better ones, but that doesn't actually happen. In fact, sometimes the worst moments of our life are followed by other bad moments and continual bad moments and more difficult times after that. Often the best we can do in this when somebody's just being piled on is to just offer to sit with them in their dark times, walk through with them side by side, feel it with them and be a part of their process as they go through it. So that was number two. It's always darkest before the dawn. Number three, 
we are only given as much as we can handle, or the all-favored Christian version of that, God will not give you more than you can handle. Well, that's what we hope. And for many of us, sometimes it works out that way. But there are cases where someone has to contend with blow after blow after blow. And sometimes, tragically, a person isn't able to access the help that they need to handle something. So even though they might be able to, they're not being being given the help they need. And the key to help in this area is how much support a person gets. How much someone can handle is dependent on so many things. And we are so often given more than we can handle. Saying this just makes people feel weak, meaning... Why can't I handle what God's given me? If he doesn't, if he won't give me more than I can handle, why can't I handle this? Rather say, it looks like you're handling a lot. What can I do to help or offering forms of help? So that was number three. We're only given as much as we can handle. Number four, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Actually, what doesn't kill you could really leave you weakened and hurt and need time for recovery and make you vulnerable. Studies have shown that statistically population of groups who grew up with adverse childhood experiences and issues with attachment become prone to more physical and mental health challenges, including likelihood of chronic illness and even earlier death. Occasionally, a person may cite early trauma like the loss of a parent as a factor in their later career success. But on the whole, what we're saying is going through trauma makes you better. No, it doesn't necessarily do that. It may help to make us more resilient, but trauma in and of itself does not. The help that follows that can. So the good news is modern trauma therapy can be very effective, leading to post-traumatic growth. So when someone is able to access really good trauma therapy for as long as they need, then maybe there's some truth to this. What doesn't kill you make you stronger. However, what doesn't kill you in truth until you can get help often weakens you. So maybe that's the saying, what doesn't kill you could hurt you until you can get the help to become stronger. Number four, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Now, number five, it can only get better. Well, it might, or it might not. We may not know yet. And also with this phrase, I think it particularly depends on the context, which it's being said, particularly what is your relationship to the person you're saying to is it gets better said in a spirit of like empathy coming from your experience and knowledge of that person, or is it said as a way to try to stop a grieving person from feeling their sadness, saying it only gets better as a way to pull people out of their emotional state that they're in is not acknowledging the emotional state they're in. And that difference is very crucial. So number five, it can only get better. Number six, this is probably my all-time favorite. So of course these aren't racked and stacked in order, but I love this because it was a huge one in the military. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. I'm not sure you can actually fake anything. It is just a part of you that you rarely express. And yes, there's definitely a value in seeing if you can work through something and and getting up that courageous aspect of your character to find uh, your expression to show through and all of that. However, this is only as long as you're not trying to negate or ignore the parts of you that feel hurt, vulnerable, sad, scared, all of those. Faking it by avoiding feelings will not help you make it at all. In fact, faking it by avoiding feelings will actually draw you further away from making it because in the long run, it will hurt you. So fake it until you make it? No. Actually work on your feelings and maybe show a little bit of courage until you make it. That's probably a better way to say that. So number six, fake it till you make it. Number seven. Oh, this is another great military one. It is what it is. I mean, is it though? 
Is it really what it is? Or could there perhaps be other ways of seeing, experiencing, and understanding what it is? How about if we explore what else it could be? Maybe in a manner that we've even yet to envision. Yes, coming to an acceptance of a difficult reality may also be very vital, but it's very different from the often felt there's no point in talking about a statement. When you say it is what it is, what you're saying is we don't want to talk about this rather than realizing that there is a difficult reality in front of me and I need to work through it. So it is what it is. No, no, it's not. And it doesn't have to be unless that's all you think about. So number seven, it is what it is. Number eight, you can't change the past. Just accept it and move on. There's some truth to the fact that you can't change the past, meaning you can't change what happened to you. However, modern ways of working with trauma through therapy and things of that nature show that through processing trauma, you can actually change the past, meaning you can change the way the past lives in you. You may not change what happens, but you can change your feelings, your emotions, and your thoughts towards the past. Now, the accepting and moving on, those things are important, yes, but to do those without fully processing through the trauma, throughout what we call experiential processing, if you don't go through that and just fast forward through the trauma and just move on, you're going to experience even worse later. So you're right. You can't change the past. Just accept it and move on. But again, you can't change the past. So process through it and then accept it and move on. So that's number eight. You can't change the past. Just accept it and move on. Number nine. Oh, number nine, number nine, number nine. I think every time uh, somebody came up to me at my mother's funeral, they said something similar to this, and that is time heals all wounds. Time passes indeed, but it doesn't necessarily heal all wounds. Although in many cases, things can get easier to live with over time. Healing takes time and healing takes other things as well. Time alone isn't enough. When we are told time heals all wounds, we can feel like we're being told to just wait it out and one day it'll feel like nothing ever happened. As if we just wait long enough, our pain, our hurt, and our loss will no longer matter and we will forget about it. That's not true. But maybe a better analogy would be something like the hole in your life, the pain that you're feeling, doesn't get smaller over time. It's always going to be there. But your life may gradually grow bigger around it. Time does not heal all wounds. Time passes. So that's number nine. Time heals all wounds. And number 10. Oh, if I have said this to my kids a million times, I, I am sorry because I used to think this was the greatest thing to say because my parents said it to me. Some have it way worse than you. Yes. And? I mean, this statement is rarely helpful when someone is feeling down. Of course, it's always true that there are people in much worse situations, but that doesn't mean we need to suck up what we're going through and ignore our own genuine difficulties. Because honestly, if you want to extend that logic, then really there's only one person on this planet who is allowed to suffer at any given time, and that is the person who is suffering worst in the world. And just thinking about it that way is absolutely ridiculous. So yes, some may have it worse than you. So what? That doesn't mean I'm not allowed to go through what I'm going through or feel what I'm feeling or have those experiences. So that's number 10. Some may have it worse than you. So there it is, my top 10. With all of that, what then can we or should we say? If I'm being fair, if you if you're listening to somebody, if they're asking your advice, often it's as simple as saying nothing and just listening. Other times it's just acknowledging the emotions someone is feeling and validating those feelings as well. The key to all of this, as a mentor once told me, is looking at the intent 
versus the impact of what you say and do. The intent of your statement or your actions is what you have in mind when you decide to speak or act with another individual. Often in the cases of the statements above, it's to comfort or advise. The impact, however, is the result of the words you say to somebody else or the actions you do to somebody else. Your personality can be tied to your intentions, meaning that your good intentions show that you may want to do real good for somebody. And if you intend to help someone, it can mean that you have a helpful personality, but your impact is what you did. It doesn't necessarily reflect who you are. If your impact resulted in failure, it doesn't mean you're a failure. Remember this difference when someone tells you how your words may have impacted them. Your intent could be good. Your impact may land off. That's where you have to be able to listen to how what you said, the intentionality behind what you said may not have shown through and therefore impacted differently. So if somebody says that your actions hurt them or that your words didn't land the way they were supposed to, bear in mind, they're not attacking you as a person. Listen to them with the intent to understand how your actions or words impacted them instead of taking it personally, and then just do better next time. As followers of Christ, we are definitely called to help others. And as veterans, as we've said before, it is ingrained in our DNA. Please, I implore you, use your words when needed wisely. Don't regurgitate a common phrase like those top 10 simply because you can't think of what else to say. Rather, do as he would do. Sit with others, listen to others, and love others. Rich out.